You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. One of the major concerns of the pandemic is figuring out how many people have actually died. In countries across the world, there seems to be a difference between the number of covid deaths and the excess deaths that are there. In India too, academics and other data experts have been trying to figure out that if 3.7 lakhs is the official figure of the number of people that have died of the coronavirus in India, what could actually be the real figure? One of the ways that people suggest that they find out is to compare the overall number of people that have died with previous years and see what is that number that seems to be standing out during the pandemic. So joining me today on the record is someone who has been working on that along with others as well. We have Chinmay Tumbe. He is an expert. He's the author of The Age of Pandemic and he's also a faculty member at the Indian Institute of Management in Ahmedabad. Chinmay Tumbe, thank you so much for speaking with Hindustan Times. I want to first uh, ask you, start by asking you that I saw some of the states that you've been looking at. Now, one of the things that we as journalists have also had trouble with is the fact that India hasn't been declaring the number of overall deaths in all the states or at the central level but you and other journalists like Rukmini S have looked at other indices perhaps and you have some indication of those excess deaths when it comes to five states the five states are uh, you have Karnataka Gujarat Andhra Pradesh Tamil Nadu and Madhya Pradesh. Now, tell our viewers and those who are listening in exactly what you found out when you looked at the figures of those states. Yeah, if you just look at four states, that is, you know, Madhya Pradesh, Andhra Pradesh, Karnataka, and Tamil Nadu, what we are saying is that from January 1st to roughly May 31st, the first five months of 2021, uh, these four states cumulatively, collectively, have recorded over half a million excess deaths, more than 500,000 excess deaths, as compared to, for the same time period, you know, 46,000 deaths, which were reported by COVID. Now, that's a large difference. You know, if you multiply 46,000 with 10, you get 460,000. So this is a factor of more than 10. Now, not all excess deaths need to be COVID. But if you plot a monthly or annual distribution chart of deaths in India for the last, you know, 50 years, you see very little variation from month to month in general in non-pandemic times. One of the things that pandemics do is precisely increase death substantially. That's why pandemics are so dangerous. So if you look at any state government of chart, you know, you're, you will see very little variation across months, even across years, actually. Some as population is growing, obviously deaths will grow. So there's some trend line kind of growth. Now, when you get numbers from Madhya Pradesh where or Andhra Pradesh, where you're seeing more than in a month of May, and that's why I'm saying May 1918 is as horrific as November, uh, sorry, May 2021 is as horrific as November 1918, 100 years back in the influenza pandemic. Because I've looked at those numbers as well. And that's precisely the kind of spikes that you see in the data. Where you, you see for the last 20 years, those months are reporting the same death rates, and then suddenly you see three or five times more. So it's clearly the signature of the pandemic. 
right? Uh, which tells you that, you know, if somebody is telling you, no, these 500,000 excess deaths must be accidents, you know, they're not accidents. They are definitely related to the pandemic. It could be, of course, that some of these deaths are people who could not get, to, they had a heart attack and could not get to the hospital in time because, you know, there was a lockdown or because uh, the hospitals were full with other patients. So there's obviously some diversion of resources which have claimed deaths. But there's no doubt that the bulk of this is COVID deaths. And especially because we are seeing massive deaths in rural areas on a per capita basis, you know, Andhra Pradesh uh, and Madhya Pradesh are much more rural than, say, Karnataka or Tamil Nadu. You're seeing a much more higher excess deaths per capita ratio. What this also tells you is because we are counting COVID dead only if you test COVID positive, right? A lot of people who simply don't have testing facilities cannot never be counted as COVID dead, even if they actually got COVID. Right. So this is an important point, uh, point to keep in mind. And that is why excess deaths is a very powerful metric. And, you know, it's a very horrifying statistic because these four states comprise 300 million people. That's about the size of U.S. Uh, and you're seeing deaths which are about the same as what has been reported for the U.S., you know, which is about half a million deaths. Uh, so all this while people are saying, you know, India's death numbers are, are, uh, not, are not very uh, sort of you can discount it because on a per capita basis, it's very low. Unfortunately, now what we're finding is that on a per capita basis, India ranks very badly uh, for the data that is available till date. So, uh, Chinmay, Tumbe, explain to us because there's, that's a lot of information that you've given us and a lot of information to process. I think one of the things that, you know, strikes at me immediately is that figure, that 10 times figure. Now, I know that you've just studied four or five states, right? But is it, if we extrapolate that, that means that at the moment it's 3.7 lakhs. That means that the figure could be actual death figures or excess deaths could be 10 times that figure. I think you have to break down wave one and wave two. So what we should be doing is ideally, you know, look at 2020 and 2021 very differently. So that 370 figure you said is basically about let's say, you know, 200 or uh, 210 is the figure for this year, right? And 150 or 170 reported COVID deaths is for first year. Now, uh, there's some work which suggests that the underreporting factors in the first year were very low, you know, because these underreporting factors themselves will vary from state to state. Like I said, you know, Madhya Pradesh is 42, Bangalore is maybe only four or five. So under, So it can vary place to place. It will vary also wave to wave. So I don't think we should be applying this factor of 10 to 370,000, right? Uh, could you apply it to, say, 200,000 for wave 2? I'm focusing right now on wave 2 because that is where really the pandemic has hit us very hard. And so if we just focus on wave 2, how plausible is 10 as an, you know, all India factor? Unfortunately, as of now, it seems very plausible because the four states we have is only 20% of India. And the average of these four states, I mean, we're saying is, you know, uh, is, is, is 11. Now, we still have data from UP, from Bihar, from Rajasthan, from Chhattisgarh, from Jharkhand, for so many states to come where the underreporting factors are, in my view, definitely you know, going to be substantially more than what we're seeing for, you know, Tamil Nadu or Karnataka. So while, you know, while obviously one has to wait for the eventual data, Clearly, this is going to be now a lower bound, you know, for an all India factor. Uh, and that is why it's, it's a very horrific. Uh, so I wouldn't multiply 10 with, you know, 3.7. Uh, 
370,000 of the overall debt so far. Uh, but if you want to multiply 10 with say 180 or you know 200,000 debts of the wave 2, because my analysis is only for wave 2, that is 2021, uh, that's the kind of number you see. So whereas earlier I was placing a lower bound estimate of 1 million excess debts based on just the stuff I've done on Gujarat, Gujarat is only 5% of India. Now we have more data and yes. for a longer period, Right. So I'm revising that lower bound of mine from say yeah. 1 to 1.5 million. Yeah. So how are you calculating this just to be sure? Because, you know, when the economist came out with its data and said their number, their factor was 5 to 7. Uh, 5 to 7 times what India has reported, it's actually that. The government immediately pushed back and the government said, no, it's wrong for two reasons. They said one of the things was that, you know, the study that's been done, it's not peer reviewed at all. And they didn't give the sampling of it. So would you like to explain that your particular study, which has looked at a particular state, what is the data that you're going by? Yeah, the data comes from India's civil registration system. This is where the deaths are registered. Think of it as when, when somebody dies, you, need, you get a death certificate issued. So all those debts are, the death certificates are counted. And so we have a process called death registration. Obviously, this varies from state to state. Some states, virtually every death is registered. Some states, it's less. But the fact is that this is one of the most scientific ways to calculate excess, you know, or to get some sense of how much did the pandemic really claim. I mean, you could be, you know, you could just take a view saying, you know, uh, I, you know that nobody died of COVID in India. Uh, if we, if suppose we did not have a testing me mechanism. Think of the 1918 pandemic. They didn't have, you know, rt tests. They didn't have any testing mechanism. They, in fact, were actually, they used more common sense than us. They basically said if a person died of fever in October, November 1918, it must be a very high chance that that was the influenza pandemic. We are not doing that. We are saying, A, you have to test positive to be counted COVID dead. And then there's an ICMR protocol saying, you know, then how do you deal with comorbidities, which is one classic way many states are kind of underreporting and so on. But my point is that a lot of India does did not have access to testing facilities, especially in rural India. So if you go with the strict approach of ICMR protocol, we are missing a huge part of the deaths. Right? We basically have to assume that if deaths are going up by five times in May, most of it is likely to be COVID. And it's quite likely that none of those people actually tested because those testing facilities were not there in the first place. So this data that we're using coming from death certificates, I would say is probably one of the most scientific methods to do. There is another method called intersensal growth rate method, which is using census data. Right? So you might ask, but look, the, the bodies floating in the Ganga, they never left, left a death certificate. Even those deaths could be estimated to a certain extent. When the next census is conducted, we can find a shortfall in certain age cohorts. If you compare 2001 to the next census, you can find out how many people are missing in villages and so on. And that is why that is an additional method to calculate deaths. So, for example, I did this for the 1918 pandemic. The first estimates were 6 million. And note, this was based on something like fever, which was actually a better way to understand the severity than you know, uh, now. But that 6 million figure was revised over you know, time by various researchers. And now the estimates are 20 million. So the underreporting factor that time was 3, which is lower than what it's now. Because people use a very simple idea of fever, just a fever mm. category to record the deaths. Then today we have a very stringent to be classified as you know COVID dead. You have to have tested. Then you know you should have died because of COVID. So it's 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 a very stringent process. As to the government's claim, you know, uh, the, I think the government needs to just make it 
just ensure that all the statistics which researchers have been you know asking the government to release for more than one and a half years now should be you know open if the government does want a scientific an- analysis of this they just have to make all the death registration system statistics which is already there online by the way they just have to literally sign a document saying put make it public you know and then it's it's up to researchers to make those estimates and you know just looking at that chart that you put up online uh which gives these states and looks at individually what is the excess uh, number of deaths there do you find it interesting that the two states which have the maximum number of excessive deaths that madhya pradesh and andhra pradesh were actually having relatively lower fatality rate yeah i think this is you know what we're going to see in unfolding when the numbers come out that is if you saw the newspapers of the last you know 3 months you would if you just saw the reported numbers you'd say oh my god things are really bad in maharashtra thank god we're living in madhya pradesh well what these numbers are telling you is you know probably let's not take maharashtra let's say karnataka and madhya pradesh you know both by the way which are ruled by the bjp on basis of covid you would say it's far better to live in madhya pradesh and karnataka on the basis of excess deaths you are far better off you know living in karnataka than madhya pradesh that's how big the difference makes you know this yes. underreporting factors and and of course the ones that showed higher deaths for example tamil nadu didn't really the excessive deaths wasn't really that much of a difference right so that's interesting so that shows that perhaps they had a better way of counting their deaths and ascribing it to covid than perhaps how the other states were doing it yeah i think see the difference between in this you know four states you look at andhra pradesh and madhya pradesh they have an urbanization rate of about 30% now you look at karnataka and tamil nadu they have an urbanization rate of 50% so here's a one speculation one theory as to you know what the numbers we're seeing the more urban the state the lower the underreporting factor you're likely to see why because there are going to be better testing facilities people are going to be saved more because there are more hospitals so that's a simple reason the, the in wave 1 remember the the virus did not go to rural areas that is why we got ex, you know you that was mumbai was a big problem last year cities so last you can characterize wave 1 as being predominantly urban centric but wave 2 is moved to rural areas where there's simply no testing facilities right and so that is why what we have observed and that is why you know researchers have been crying for the last one year saying make the death registration statistics visible because the, what is visible today are the covid numbers that is testing but that's a huge urban bias that's a huge bias towards places which have testing facilities so imagine a state which has no testing facilities they will declare zero covid deaths Right? But that doesn't mean that no, nobody has died of COVID. So when it comes to, you know, New York Times, I reporting in America could be like. It's a problem across the world. But when we compare and we go by these figures, which you're saying perhaps, uh, you know, are related to the second wave. If we go by this, then compared to the rest of the world, how much have we been, where do we stand in the under reporting oh very bad in in wave 2 very very bad uh, of course I, again as i said we have to separate out wave 1 and wave 2 uh, but you, you know there have been estimates of for the us for the richer countries which by the way have been publishing this you know death registration statistics on a very regular basis uh, those studies are putting the under reporting factors from 1.5 to 2 that's the kind of range and that's you know there's a study which says that uh, wave 1 in india under reporting could be maybe 2.2 in mumbai there are studies for 2020 it places at 1.62 so that's the kind of under reporting you would get 
in you know in normal times in urban areas with good medical medical facilities with good testing facilities and so on uh these underreporting factors are very large i mean just for these four states if you're getting a factor of you know 11 cumulatively uh that's one of the highest in the world i would imagine and explain to people who are just saying you know why does it matter so much i mean people are dying they're going to die anyway why is it important to know exactly how it stands or know the exact number of people um what would you say to them there are two reasons one is if we know the places which have been hit very hard that's precisely the places where we need to invest more if at all there's a third wave to come because now what we need to do is plan for the next third wave so we need to firstly get a sense of which are the districts of india which were caught out and that's what these numbers are going to tell us not the official covid numbers the official covid numbers will tell you districts you know with, with which virtually zero covid deaths but you know huge excess mortality per capita so a it helps you in better planning in the next wave two if we actually do make these numbers publicly available regularly we can actually start identifying when the wave is going to pick up because then we have an addition we just don't have the covid numbers we have just this excess death numbers to so see if it's going up in precisely those places where we don't have the facilities we can then start diverting resources i'll give you a simple example we use the official covid numbers for our oxygen allocation now just think of it you know we are saying that actually more oxygen was technically required right in madhya pradesh that's right not a corner per capita it has huge relevance this is not just a you know arcane academic matter it's a matter which can save lives and that's why we need to you know, publish these statistics as soon as possible so my final question apart from more transparency of publishing all the deaths that happen uh you know the registration deaths and things like that is there anything else that we need for better covid management i think you know uh broadly put there are maybe two or three things that you can do better than what we've been doing uh one is in terms of investing in tracking the new mutations i think why we've been caught why wave 2 was so different is you know arguably because of this uh, strain uh and uh, we did not maybe track the the mutations very well this is also lesson from past pandemics so investment in you know understanding uh the 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 strain varieties that are in, in the public uh increase testing capacity even more you know that's what uh, the data this data is is telling you uh and third is you know ramp up your facilities i mean uh hopefully there's no third wave but if it is you know we don't want to be in the same situation that we in the second wave uh what people are now saying is you know first wave nobody expected now people are saying second wave also nobody expected then i don't know which wave people are going to expect i think you know the, the idea should be to now ramp up as much uh, uh, before uh, a third wave if at all it materializes so you're done with studying five states by when do you think you'll have an overall figure about excess deaths i should say that i would be really comfortable with an estimate only when i have data for up and bihar uh, but i should also say that i'll be skeptical even of the death registration numbers because a lot of deaths are simply not registered and so unfortunately i will have to wait really long i'll have to wait for the census the next census which will take maybe a year or two to really get some handle on those numbers but we will get you know we will have a good estimate of all india even if we have data for 70 or 80% of india uh, even 20% is good but the more the merrier uh, and i'm sure you know we will get the data it's only frustrating that researchers have to unearth this data uh, which is already there some you know state governments not a single state government after one and a half years of the pandemic uh, across political parties across political ideologies not a single state government has made this data accessible in a systematic manner i think that is quite a travesty 
Well, thank you for explaining all this to us. It really has been quite educational. And I'm sure that everyone's going to benefit from what you said. Thank you so much for taking out time. Thank you for having me. Well, that was a conversation. And that brings us to the end of this episode of On The Record. If you would like to share your views on it, do tweet me at Sunitra C or at HD Smartcast. Send in your feedback and I'll be back with another episode. So join us then. Goodbye. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.